Welcome to Mastermind, episode four, brought to you by My Brother's Keeper, Sacramento's All Access Podcast. Yo, you got to understand the nature of the mastermind principle because you got to use it before you take possession of the master key. Hey, yo, welcome to the city of kings. A simplistic and articulate definition of the mastermind principle is this. When two or more people work effortlessly for the accomplishment of a specific and intentional goal, because success only comes with the cooperation of others. On today's episode four, we're talking about mental health and sitting down with Coach Jay, marriage and family therapist, professional clinical counselor, CEO and founder of Restoration Coaching, LLC. We have myself, Trezel White, Chase, What's up? How you feeling? I'm feeling good today, man. And Dame, how you feeling, brother Dame? I'm doing good. And last but not least, Coach Jay. Hey, hey, hey. Coach Jay, I have a question. Absolutely, go ahead. When it comes to your LLC, Restoration Coaching, how did that come about? And not only how did it come about, what is Restoration Coaching to you? So that's a great question. Um, Restoration coaching to me is being able to uh, give the opportunity to uh, others to be able to restore uh, different things with inside themselves as well as their relationships. And so the way that restoration coaching came about, um, I'm a mental health therapist, as you shared, and uh, just going through and supporting others on their journeys, I realized that there is a purpose for restoring certain things within self as well as restoring things within relationships. And so that's how I came um, to finding Restoration Coaching. Well, that's a lot. Not in a bad way. Just thanks for telling us how you found your own business. That's really cool. My question is, how would it feel to successfully help someone, like for you as a person? So that's a great question. Um, It feels good. It feels really good uh, based on like, I guess my mind goes to how do I know that I've successfully helped them? Uh, It's by asking questions, staying in contact with them, communicating with them, conversing with them and them telling me how I have helped them. And so by hearing how I have supported them, it validates me um, in my profession, knowing that I'm doing something good. Yeah. Another one, because I just thought of this one. How would like how would you go about helping someone, depending on their issue? Great question. So it depends on what their specific issue is. And so uh, being able to do an assessment, so kind of going through certain questions to get to what their need is. And then based on their need, being able to help them uh, by understanding what they already have in place. And so looking at supports that they have in place, looking at... Uh, the things that they have around them to be able to utilize the tools that they already have and tapping into certain areas that they've already overcame in life and taking that and applying it to their here and now. So can you give me, can you provide me with an example or give me an example of a time or some type of um, challenge that you faced in life? Homework. 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 Okay. Okay. Homework's a big issue a lot because I am heavy on procrastination and not just that. I have a lot of people to talk to and make sure they're doing okay because in some in my friends group i'm usually like the one that tells like everyone to do what to do if they're okay i check up on them i mess around we goof around and then i get lost and i hear my mom yell do your homework i'm like okay i will 
and then I'm like, I will in a minute, and then I don't do it, <laughs> and then I sleep, I wake up, and I was like, did you do it? I'm like, I'm like, no, I did not. But it was just a huge problem during the school year about my procrastination and a lot of the things that I did. Mm. Just like the try, like I try to stop it, but then it would get backtracked by something bad happening or something important happening, and then I would have to like it just goes back to procrastinating or forgetting. Sometimes I'll just straight up forget. Mm -hmm. I'm like, my mom's like, "Do you have homework?" I'm like, "I don't know, I forgot." Mm. So I I love that example. Uh, I hear that a lot, especially in the area of homework being able to make time and it sounds like what you do is you're there for everyone else but when it comes to yourself do you give yourself that same effort that you put in I do help a lot mm -hmm. with them I do help a lot I feel like I do you know what I hear I hear that you're a natural leader that's what I hear I hear that you're a natural leader that you give back to others and that um, it seems like most of the time you put your you, you put others um, before yourself. That's what my mom tells me a lot. She's like, you need to make sure that you do you you need to help yourself a lot more. I'm just like, but you have all this yeah. list to go through. Yeah. And procrastination. Well, what is procrastination? Procrastination to you? It's just having get not bef uh, putting my want like I want to play the game before like I need to do my homework mm. and just thinking oh i'll do it later oh i'll do it later oh i'll do it right now and i get a little bit done i'm just like ah, i'll do it later i'll do it later just my head's like you'll do it later and i won't do it later mm. that's just an example of procrastination that's a great example and i'm thinking of um underneath the procrastination sometimes we procrastinate because of the unknown and we procrastinate because we can be fearful of what the results could be so sometimes, uh, like some of my clients in the past, uh, procrastination is huge because they're fearful of success. Or in certain situations, they're fearful that the success can make them leave those that they love behind them. Um, so it sounds like, you know, what I'm hearing is that it, it may just be time management. Time management. Yeah, time management. And uh, also the significance or the... Um, how heavy do you hold homework? Because sometimes we can't see the result, right? So with homework, it's like, okay, well, I'll just put it off. I'll put it off. But in actuality, what is that homework going to give you? Because nowadays, I'm going to say it. You, it's like this this thing where it's like instant gratification, right? So I pull yeah. up to the first window at the drive-thru. I heard you talking about fast food earlier. Yeah, and it's like, okay, give me a number two, you know, super size with like a strawberry shake. And then the next window, within two minutes, I'm ex I'm expecting all that food, yeah. right? And so with procrastination, it's like, okay, it's that instant gratification where I'm not getting what I want right now. So I might as well put it off because I can't really see that result. Yeah, I will say another thing that kind of influenced my procrastination was how the teachers graded it. Because mm. I would have my first period teacher grade homework on time sometimes. There was a project that I did late, and he didn't grade it till like, the last day of school. I'm like, you did that. You did that. You made me worry. But my fourth period teacher in math was very bad on grading my late work. Mm -hmm. I have an IEP, so I'm allowed, my, my IEP allows me to turn in things very late. Mm -hmm. And I still get, you know, 60-70% credit. Good. Do you think that there's a, a, a presence of control? Where? In regards to, like, based on the example that you gave. I'm not going to do my homework in it right now because they're going to take time to grade it anyway. And I can't control when they're going to grade it. So I might as well just put it off. 
because it's not going to get done when I need it done anyway. It did feel like that. I have a solution. So this is called solution-focused therapy. It's being able to hear the challenges and then provide a solution based on what I just gathered. And so what I would say is to kind of counter, meaning like work against the procrastination, use what and where your strength is. And so your strength is in leadership and being there for your friends. So what you can do is start a homework group with your friends, right? You all may be in the same classes, maybe do just a portion of homework with them. You don't have to do like the whole assignment or, you know, an hour long, but break it down to like maybe 15 minutes and you all sit together, turn on some music and do, you know, a a certain portion of your homework together. I kind of had that going, but I didn't have like, cause he goes to a different school. Mm -hmm. One of my friends goes to a different school. And some of my friends didn't even have the same math class as me. Me and my girlfriend did or, or are in this. We're in the same math class. We're not because summer now. Mm-hmm. And I recognize I did more work with her. Use 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 what you know that works. Gosh, I got a question for you. Yeah. When looking at a large sum of people you've helped throughout and you know an X amount of time, have you noticed any correlation within the patterns of the procedures you have to take to help them? Yes. So. When we think of, um, and this is jargon in the psychology world, but there's certain modalities, and all that means is basically the way that we approach certain clients. So the techniques and tools that we use, and so one of the uh, therapeutic approaches, approach or modalities, uh, would be CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, and all that is is basically looking at thoughts, seeing how they connect to emotions, and how they fuel behaviors. And so that is the most common uh, modality when it comes to um, psychology. And so I use that a lot because majority of the time, uh, a lot of clients are dealing with uh, intrusive thoughts, thoughts that they can't control. They just come in unwantingly and then being able to help them identify those thoughts and then see what emotions are connected to those thoughts and then see how we can change that thought in order to change the emotion so that we can ultimately change the behavior. An example of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy would be, uh, so the thought, I'm ugly. So if I think I'm ugly, the emotion I may feel is sadness and or disappointment. And so my behavior may be, you know, when I'm walking, my head is down, um, I'm my hands are clammy and low confidence, right? And so if I uh, use CBT, we identify specifically what that thought is um, and then try to counter that thought. So I'm ugly and I'm going to ask you all a question. So if I countered that thought, if I thought a positive flip to I'm ugly, what what would that thought be? I'm phenomenal. There it is, right? So I'm phenomenal based on saying that. How did that make you feel? Phenomenal. Right. And so based on believing that thought of I'm phenomenal that emotion of I'm phenomenal then what would your behavior be phenomenal (laughs) so the behavior would would be like high confidence you know walking with your head up um, greeting people uh, whatever that looks like you know based on your your self-confidence so everyone knows that mental health is a really difficult subject to tackle a lot of people um don't feel comfortable talking about it because it makes them vulnerable Hmm. Uh, i've got a lot of friends who felt the same and i used to feel the same Hmm. so to be able to help them 
what would you say is you know one of the first steps to take to get over that first hurdle into opening up the book that is why my life sucks mm. why my life sucks oh i would love to read that book i, oh, I love nice this. netflix show <laughs> oh is it it could be oh it could be that's true shout out to netflix get a hold of us um so when we think about um when i think about what you said the first step would be it depends on it depends on who it is so if it's you and your friends it's being able to maybe share your experiences with your therapist right the progress that you've made uh the comfort that you found and i don't want to name it for you but whatever it is that your experiences were on a positive side being able to share that with your your friends and then kind of going from there kind of talking to them and you know modeling modeling it for them and then also being able to give them some examples of what you've learned and I'll tell you one, one other thing um, for me. So when my clients come to me, I have a lot of clients, you all's age, right? A lot of my clients are actually males. And so <clears throat> when they come to me, I don't tell, I tell them, you don't have to call me Janicia. That's my name. You don't have to call me Miss Roland. You can actually call me coach. And so what I realized is by using coach, it has literally decreased the stigma and that pressure of therapy. It's easier to come to me and say, hey, coach, I'm feeling like this. Right. Versus Miss Roland, you know, it's it kind of takes that edge off and it kind of helps with that comfort. Yeah. But great question. Thank you. Thank you. Trey, anything from you? What's the first step to getting over fear? Oh, how much time do we have? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a great question. Again, it depends on the person. With therapy, it's case by case. It's person by person, right? And so when we think about fear, it's how? Oh, it depends on how, what fear means to you. So let's start here. Define fear. Uh, <laughs> um, fear is an intangible thought that can become tangible. That's why people are afraid of it. Mm. That's why people are afraid of it. That's why people are afraid of fear. That's why people are afraid of fear. That's deep. Okay. Is is what is fueling your fear? Because if we really think about it, fear may not be the challenge. Because if we look at fear, we can actually use fear to fuel us. To do certain things that are positive so it depends on how you are looking at fear and or your experience with fear so let's have a conversation with fear what is behind your fear what's fueling your fear what are you scared of truthfully um i got a i got a death threat and that's like had me a little shaken up that's the truth. So what are you scared of? Like losing my life. And then like they threatened me and my twin, so losing my life and his life. Thank you for being vulnerable and opening up. So I'm hearing that you're scared of death. Yes. Why are you scared of death? I feel like one of my goals is to reach like 80 or 100 and like that's not an answer I'm afraid of death because I want to live long like I have things I want to do I have things I haven't done 
and there are also things that I don't even know I want to do that like I want to live for okay so when it comes to fear do you feel like that that's stopping you from doing or moving toward what you just stated as your goals in life I don't know and I think when I say I don't know I think usually if you say I don't know has no not yes so I'll have to say no so if fear if fear is present and death is fueling your fear but not creating a barrier to stop you from moving toward your goal what are you really scared of Again, I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you my phone number after we can talk later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, we were getting somewhere though. That's good. That's good. Coach J. Yes. Why is mental health important? I would say mental health is important. Well, it depends. It depends on who who you're who you're asking that to. So for I guess well let me add, let me because I my mind I am I'm analytical let me back up mental health is important because um, our thought process is extremely strong so what I shared earlier about CBT our thoughts and what lives within inside of our thoughts can dictate how we function in life and so if I have a healthy mental health then my choices and the way that I cope, the way that I navigate life, I can choose a healthy path. But if I don't have a healthy mental health, right? So thinking about mental health in the way of our emotions, our minds, uh, again, the way that we we function, if it's not healthy, then, you know, there's a lot of... uh, a lot of results and a lot of outcomes that can be negative and when i said earlier that it depends on you know who you're asking for some people mental health is not important right and it may not be because again like we we're talking our last conversation it depends on what they've been exposed to so if i see that mental health around me you know um is non-existent it's not up there in the top three of uh being able to function then it's not it's not going to be important to me as well as if I don't really understand what mental health is and how it can benefit me, it's not it's not gonna be important. So what you're saying is if like a person has religion, family, and money for the top three, they basically won't care about mental health. Now if a person has mental health, family, and religion, then they will care about mental health. So I think that's a great question. Again, it's based on perception because when I listen to what you just said, mental health for me is threaded throughout each of those aspects that you just described. When you think about finances, I have to be in a mental, a, a stable men, a mental state of stability in order to function properly when it comes to my finances, right? I want to make my money. I want to make my money make money, right? But if I'm not mentally stable, how can I make my money make money? I have a question for each of you. What does mental health mean to you? We'll start with Damien. Um, it just means you just how you doing up there in your head, being either stable, unstable, 
being okay or not okay. Determining whether you're able to go outside and say, oh, look at the tree, or go outside and be like, damn. <laughs> damn. Why did that make total sense? I love that. I love that. Great job. Great job. Chase, what does mental health mean to you? So, for me, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, everything he said is really a part of what it means to me, but... You know, for me, really, mental health is more of, you know, am I able to go outside and appreciate, you know, the neighborhood I live in, my parents, the things that I'm able to experience, or do I go outside and just see all the things that I don't like about myself, about where I am, where I come from, you know, my parents, my friends, you know, it's really, are you able to see the positive things that are a part of your life, or are you always focused on the negative parts? Uh, and while that might not always be your personal fault, it is something that people who struggle with mental health always have to deal with. You know, finding the positives in the negatives and being able to come to terms with the negatives in those positives. Uh, so it's sort of a, a balance, sort of a yin and yang for me. Come through, Chase. We need to switch mics. You need to be the expert on this side. That was dope. Good job. Last but not least. Trey, what does mental health mean to you? Mental health for me is this. The easiest way I can say it is when I was younger, I would play basketball. And when somebody's uh, dad said sports is 70% mental and 30% physical. And you know how people say life is a game? Well, if life is actually a game, it's... 90% 90% mental and 10% physical. <laughs> Let's go. That was dope. Can I come back and like interview them? That was good. That was good. Boucher, I really want to thank you for being here, for enlightening us, for helping us understand our own thoughts and you know, helping some of us open up to things we didn't really want to think about ourselves. Today has been a really interesting day, and we owe that all to you. So I just wanted to say thank you one more time from all of us. That was so sweet. Thank you so much. So Trey, back to you. What's your final thought, man? My final thought is one of my quotes. The hardest, easiest thing is to start. What about you, Dame? My final thought is that I need to look up more about mental health because I feel very out of touch with the subject. And that's, can I say one last thing? I think just by your statement, that's huge because mental health is not something that we have to like, it's not, it's not far out of reach. Like what you just described today and your your example and then having um, Chase and Trey here, it's like you all have the answers in the room. And so I just want you to know that it's it's not it's it's within your reach. That's a beautiful thing. Chase, final thoughts. I like this one. So a lot of people say that mental health is this uphill battle that seems to never end. It's not really a battle. It's more of a review of the things that have happened to you, the places you've been, people you've met. It, it, it's more of a, you know, a self-reflection, seeing how things could have been and knowing and helping yourself change for a better future. 
This has been episode four of Mastermind. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tapping in. Stay positive, stay blessed, and live life to the fullest. This All Access podcast has been brought to you by the Sierra Health Foundation, the Obama Foundation, the Center at the Sierra Health Foundation, and my brother's keeper, Sacramento. <laughs> it's so simple. Just work till you find a master key. Mastermind, mastermind, mastermind.